the, the time period there and what God did. But Noah was one that by faith, he just pressed on. And, uh, and as, as Noah lived by faith, guess what happened? God came through. And that's what we want to see in our lives. And I hope that's what you want in your life is to see God working and God coming through. And so look at these verses in Genesis 6, beginning in verse 1. We'll read down to verse number 9, and then I'm going to read one more verse, and that is verse 22. So let's, you follow along there with me this morning. The Bible says, And it came to pass, when men began to multiply on the face of the earth, and daughters were born unto them, that the sons of God saw the daughters of men, that they were fair, and took them wives of all which they chose. And the Lord said, My spirit shall not always strive with man. Notice that word, strive. God says, My spirit shall not always strive with man, for that he also is flesh, yet his days shall be an hundred and twenty years. There were giants in, in the earth in those days, and also after that, when the sons of God came in under the daughters of men, and they bare children to them, the same became mighty men which were of old, men of renown. And God saw that the wickedness of man was great. Notice the word there. The actual word, the original word is the word megas. And of course, we, we understand that. We see it nowadays, something that's mega. It's, it's, it's huge. It's large. And he says that he, he saw that the wickedness of men was great in the earth and that every imagination, not some, but every imagination of the thoughts of his heart, talking about mankind as a whole, notice these three words, was only evil, how often? Continually. And notice it repented the Lord that he had made man on the earth, and it grieved him at his heart. Boy, if there's one thing you and I should learn to do in our lives is to live a life pleasing to God where we would not grieve God, grieve the Holy Spirit of God. And that's what was happening because of sin. Now look at these last couple verses. So here is God, he's grieved at the sin of man, and the Bible says the Lord said, I will destroy man whom I have created from the face of the earth, both man and beast and creeping things and the fowl, fowls of the air. He says here, for it repenteth me that I have made them. But Noah found what? He found grace in the eyes of the Lord. These are the generations of Noah. Noah was a just man and perfect in his generations. And Noah walked with God Thus did Noah, according to all that God commanded him, so did he. Now, when we look at this passage this morning, it reminds me of, of course, we live here in the state of Florida, and uh, some of you, and I'm not saying anything about uh, you know age here this morning, but certainly this was when I was very, very young, but back in 1969, Right here in the state of Florida, it, well, it was coming through the Gulf Coast, but Florida got a little bit of the effect of it. But it, there was, a, there was a, a town in 1969 called Pass Christian, Mississippi. And uh, this town, like all other towns, was 
a booming area at the time. And uh, there was a report that there was an oncoming hurricane that was barreling down towards Mississippi through the Gulf Coast. Uh, a group of about 20 to 22 people uh, foolishly decided that they were going to have a, an, a hurricane party. Uh, everybody was being told, evacuate, leave, get out of town, a hurricane is coming, and, and, and I, I read up on this, uh, that, that it was literally a stage five hurricane that was heading straight towards this little town of past Christian Mississippi. And uh, so the hurricane that even back then was named Camille. Anybody remember her, hearing the name Hurricane Camille? And here's a, here's a, a news report, a newspaper report about it. And, uh, and it says here that the sheriff of the town was, was going door to door, building to building, trying to get people to, to evacuate. And the people, this group of about 20, 22 people told him that they were not leaving and that if he wanted them to leave, he would have to arrest them. Well, he didn't have time to mess with them, so he, he thought, how foolish. He went on his way. These people continued to just have a high time. They were partying. They were less than... 250 feet from the surf in an apartment building called the Richelieu Apartments. The storm reportedly hit with wind speeds more than 205 miles per hour with waves of the Gulf Coast cresting between 20 and 28 feet high. After the storm was over, there was nothing left of the Richelieu Apartments and everything around it except for a concrete uh, pad that the apartments sat on. And it, it, it was amazing because it, that was the exact apartment where the party, the hurricane party, was being held. 22 people thought, hey, listen, we're just going to party through this hurricane. And you think about that. There's so many incidents like that that I could have told you this morning. And we hear about things like that all the time, especially here in the state of Florida. But why are people so foolish to ignore the obvious warnings that come into their lives? I mean, here they had people trying to tell them about the peril of the day. And I, I think about, yes, it was like that in Noah's day, but can I tell you, it's still like that today. I mean, you tell people about the judgment and, and, and even natural disasters, and people refuse to acknowledge the signs of a coming judgment. In Noah's day, what men and women had done was they, now does this sound like not only Noah's day, but our day, they had turned their back on their creator. That's what they did in Noah's day. Everybody was eating and drinking and, and, and just like those 22 people in that apartment complex. They turned their back on their creator. The population of Noah's day, according to the word of God, was exploding. But you know what else was exploding? the sinfulness of man. Sin was rampant. The wickedness of men was increasing, as the Bible says. And yet, through all of that, listen, can I encourage you this morning that with all of that going on, and as much as it made God sick, God gives us a journey of grace through all of that. Remember what we just read? Noah found what? Grace. Grace in the eyes of the Lord. And I think this morning as we look at this journey to 
what is known as Ararat, that it shows us how God designed a journey of grace for those who obey him. Now that's the key, is we can't live our lives doing what we want. We must learn that if we're going to please him, we have to obey him in all things. And I can't think of a greater example than Noah. And so this morning, notice first of all the reason for this journey. And I want you to see if you look back in Genesis chapter number 6, where the Bible says in verse number 5 of this chapter, God saw the wickedness of man was great in the earth, and that every imagination of the thoughts of his heart were only evil continually. And it repented the Lord that he had made man on the earth, and it grieved him at his heart. See, man had become continually evil, and, and listen, folks, this didn't happen overnight. It was from the time that God created man until the days of Noah, all that time span, that man had become increasingly more and more and more wicked, even up to the days of Noah. And the Bible says God's heart was grieved. So what did God do? Now, this is where, uh, you know, again, people are foolish. They say, I just can't believe that God would destroy the earth. But remember, whose earth is it? It's God's. And the, the reality is God can do with, with whatever is his, with whatever he wants. And, and as, God, as the Bible says here, God purposed to destroy the earth by a flood. And one of the things that God has the ability to do that, listen, even I as a pastor do not have the ability to do this morning is I can't examine your heart. I can't open your chest and look at what's inside. The Bible actually says, no man knows his own heart. And yet God examined all the hearts of man that was on the earth at that time. And you know what God saw? He saw wickedness in every person. But there was one person, according to the Bible, that according to God was the only person that was righteous. And his name was Noah. And as a result of that, God decided he was going to send a flood, yes. But here's where the grace came in. That God would save Noah and, watch this, God also would save all those who would obey him or who would turn to him. And we're going to see this morning that, listen, God would have been much pleased if not just Noah and his family but many more would have got on that boat. It would have pleased God. You understand that this morning. It, it, there's a verse in the Bible that says, God is not willing that any should what? Perish. See, it didn't please God to do this. God did, this wasn't God's plan. It, look, this was man's desire, his bent towards sin. So notice we see a couple things here because as God decides that, that he would send Noah during this time to, to, to give a warning. Look at verse number 7, what it says here in our, in our uh, text this morning. The Lord said, I will destroy man whom I've created from the face of the earth, both man and beast and creeping thing and the fowls of the air, for it repenteth me that I have made them. But Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. So God sends this warning and, and he says, look, either you get right with me or this is what's going to happen. In other words, God was giving them a choice. But notice that oftentimes those choices are going to be uh, affected by the life that we're living. 
And I see, first of all, here, letter A, I see that they had corrupt hearts. Again, you see how they were only evil continually. And you know from the Word of God, even a couple chapters back, that God, when God created man and the woman, Adam and Eve, the Bible says that God created man in his own image. They oftentimes call this time period in the Bible the age of innocence. God created them without sin. And, and as we study the Word of God, because of, of this time period, because of this holiness, in other words, that there was not sin at that time, that Adam and Eve were able to fellowship with God. But see, what happens is, is that a, a sin separates us from God. And, and what happened, you know the story, Satan comes, the deceiver, and what does he do? He tempts the woman, right? And she takes of it, she saw it, she took it, and she gives it to the man, and they both partook of it. And so because of their sin, the Bible says that, that death has passed upon all men, for all have sinned. It's all because of what Adam and Eve did there in the garden. And so what did they experience? Well, as a man and a woman, as mankind, because they represented mankind, they experienced what is known as spiritual death. See, they didn't die that day humanly speaking they didn't die physically but they were separated from God you say how do you know that what did God do he removed them from the garden he cast them out of the garden that fellowship that they had with God was broken are you with me this morning does everybody understand so far that all of this was a result of the corrupt hearts of man so after the fall of mankind what happens well the Bible says that that, that civilization, mankind, they began to multiply, and as the world began to multiply, so did the sinfulness. God uses this word here in the, in the Word of God. He uses the word imaginations. Now, the word imagination is an interesting word because it, listen to what it means. It means to make wickedness fashionable. Do, do, listen, you, you, you probably, whether you watch TV or billboards or the internet, do they not make wickedness fashionable before our eyes? They market wickedness. Sin sells, right? You know, look, you, you watch, if, if they put a television show on and it's a wholesome show, the ratings aren't that high until they decide we need to do something to bolster the ratings. And so what do they do? They, they interject something into the plot so that it causes our sin nature to want to tune into that. Do you remember the days of the Waltons? Andy Griffith? I mean, back then, it's like you, you, that stuff was not there. You say, Pastor, you're living way back in the cave days, you know? But the reality is, is that, you know, there, there's got to be that, that twisted, wicked plot to entice us, to cause us to want to see it, you know. And, and this is what we see is the wickedness, the imaginations, the, the making wickedness fashionable. Look at Psalm 14, verse 1. The fool has said in his heart, there is no God. They are corrupt. They have done abominable works. There is none that doeth good. This was Noah's day, and by the way, this is our day. Corrupt hearts, notice secondly, corrupt lives. A corrupt heart will always produce a corrupt life. See, they go hand in hand. 
If your heart is corrupt, then your life is going to be corrupt. Let's let's reverse that, though. If your heart is pure, then your life's going to be right with God. You know, you're, you're going to live a life that's pleasing to God. But in Noah's day, sin had become accepted. Now, again, does that sound like our day? You know, sin is the norm now. You know, the, 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 the changing of the family structure. You know, I'm not going to get into adjectives this morning. But, but listen, all of that, according to the Word of God, not my words, it's an abomination to God. And sin has become accepted in this world that we live in, like in Noah's day. In Noah's day, there were no limits, and there seemed to be no restraints. Look what the Bible says in Luke 17, 26. As it was in the days of Noah so shall it be also in the days of the Son of Man. So, you know, look, even in the New Testament, it it was a direct reference to back to the days before the flood and how things were, and that that same spirit, that same corruptness, that same wickedness is going to be prevalent in our day too. And we can see this before our very eyes. We live in a world that is built around uh, uh, fleshly pleasures, uh, human desires, evil desires. Uh, what, what, what's happened is, just like in Noah's day, we've gotten used to sin. It, it's just become an accepted thing in our, in our day. Noah, as he lived his life, and by the way, if we are, as Jesus described, a Christian, if we are the, to be the salt and light that God intends us to be, then the same thing will be about us that it was about Noah, and here it is. Noah's righteousness. Now you remember, Our righteousness is as filthy rags, right? So if I say, and and I'm being scriptural, when I say Noah's righteousness, there was nothing about Noah, it was about Noah's God. So the righteousness of Noah condemned the wicked world that he lived in. By his obedience, their disobedience was exposed. So here's a good question for you this morning. What kind of example are you and I being to those around us? Does our obedience to God expose their disobedience? Now, again, it's not about me trying to show everybody what's wrong with them, but as I live my life in a way that's pleasing to God, it ought to, others ought to see that, and that, ought, that should be something that they desire for their life. See, Noah, God had Noah there to be an example to them. God help us to never get accustomed to the sinfulness of the day. We need to strive to live a holy life in a crooked and perverse world that we live in. Are you with me this morning? Okay, so as we think about this, there was a reason for this journey, and the reason for the journey to Ararat was because of the crooked hearts, the corrupt hearts, and the corrupt lives. But then notice, secondly, the readiness for the journey. Now, when you think about this matter of the readiness for this journey, the greatest decision of Noah's life, and and I know a lot of times when we talk about Noah, we talk about the ark. But can I tell you from the word of God, the greatest decision of Noah's life was not his decision to build the ark. The greatest decision of Noah's life was that Noah decided to walk with God. And that, that should be the greatest decision of your life is I'm not going to walk my way. I'm not going to do what I want. I want to walk with God. 
See, before God can use a person greatly, that person has to be prepared greatly. And that's what God was doing. God was preparing Noah, and Noah was prepared and ready for this assignment. Well, how was he prepared and ready? Notice he was ready because of his walk. Again, you look at verse number number 8 and 9 in our text. Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. These are the generations of Noah. Noah was, here's God's words, a just man and perfect in his generations, and Noah walked with God. What a testimony. So I see here a man that was ready for the journey. Why? Because he walked with God. He had a personal relationship with God as he walked and took his journey towards Ararat. And that's what we need to be doing, is developing our relationship with God, walking with God. I love uh, the, the analogy Jesus gives in John 15 about the, the vine and the branch. And here's one verse out of a couple verses. Look at this. Jesus said, now ye are clean through the word which I have spoken unto you. And look at these words, abide in me. Jesus is talking about a close abiding relationship. The connection of the, the vine to the branch between God and man. And he says, abide in me, and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself, except it abide in the vine, no more can ye, except ye abide in me. Now listen, I'm going to say this with a smile on my face, but the, the truth is, Noah did not just spend time with and worship God on Sundays only. He walked with God every day. And for us to be ready for the journey, to be, be living this Christian life, we cannot expect our lives to be pleasing to God if we only spend one day a week with God. We need to every day be walking with God. God didn't choose Noah to build the ark because of the things that, God, that Noah did for God. That's not why God chose him. God chose to use Noah because of who Noah was before him. See, Noah was a just man. He was a perfect man, meaning mature, and he was a man that was walking with God. That's why, that's why God chose him. You know, in, in our church, we have four men uh, that I, I consider uh, godly men that, that serve in the capacity and the office of a deacon here in our church, and, and these are men that I, 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 I love and and I love serving the Lord with them, and, and, and I, I, I will talk with them and counsel with them, and we'll talk about church business with them. And, and uh, this is, these are men that the church has entrusted with some of the, the things that we would discuss about our church here. But listen, you, know, you, don't, you don't look around and say, okay, who's doing a bunch of things, and, and I want to I I have that person be a deacon in the church. No, you look around to see who is already serving, who is already walking with God, who is already being a witness for the Lord. And those are the people that you say those men are already doing. And that when God looked down and he saw the evil in the world, it's amazing that the whole world and the world in that day, in Noah's day, was much smaller than our world today. But isn't it sad that out of everyone, and I don't know how many uh, thousands, hundreds of thousands or million people there were at that time, there was only one person God considered to be righteous. And, and so here we see it is, 
that he was prepared by God. He was ready for this journey. Why? Because of his walk. He was walking with God. And our lives shouldn't be measured by how much we do for the Lord. Our lives, the reason God wants to use us is because of who we are with him or before him. That we're walking with God. And so we need to learn to walk with God just like Noah did. Hey, listen, it wasn't an easy day in Noah's day to walk with God, but he did. And I know it's difficult in this world we live in today to be a Christian. But can I encourage you, if Noah could do it in his day, you can do it in yours. And so we see here he was ready for the journey because of his walk, but notice he was also ready because of his will. Notice what it says in verse 22 in our chapter, the last verse in chapter number 6 of Genesis. The Bible says, Thus did Noah, according to all that God commanded him, so did he. I love this verse here. He, he did all of what God had commanded. Noah honored God with his life. He had an obedient spirit. So you watch this. Because he did what God wanted him to do, guess what God did to Noah? He honored Noah. That's what we see here is when God asked him to build an ark. Listen, I don't see a long list of questions that Noah said, now, how big? Can it be a little bit smaller? Does it have to be that high? Do I need to put all those stinky animals in there? Now, I didn't see all those questions. As a matter of fact, I can't find any questions. When God asked him to do it, guess what he did? He did it. Whatever it was, not only did he do it, he did all that God asked him to do. What, a, what, a, what a, a spirit that he had. He was determined in his life to do all that God had asked him to do. Well, listen, where, how does that happen? I believe that Noah decided early in life that he was going to obey God. Uh, how many of you remember, that? It, and, and I've never been a Dallas Cowboy fan, but I remember the days of Roger Stallback. Anybody remember Roger Stallback, quarterback for the Cowboys? one of the greatest quarterbacks probably that played the game. And, uh, and I, I like to read various things. And, and I, a lot of these guys, or maybe it's because of my, my love for sports when I was younger, but uh, Tom Landry, who coached the Cowboys for so many years, uh, it's kind of interesting because most NFL quarterbacks would rather call the plays themselves. They're the quarterback. They feel like, they're the one manning the ship, that they know which direction it needs to go. They know their players and on and on and on. And they, they feel like, hey, I'm the quarterback. I should be able to call the shots. Not when you play for Tom Landry. Tom Landry called every play. He sent every play. We're talking Roger Staubach. Year after year after year after year. But you know what Roger Staubach did? When Landry sent the play in, they ran that play. He never once said, hey, listen, <clears throat> I, 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 I'm going to make the, the Hall of Fame one day, and I think I know what's better than this, this old washed-up coach on the sidelines that's wearing a fedora that doesn't match his suit, you know? And, and, and he's, he's thinking to himself, you know, who does he think he is? I'm the great Roger Staubach. And then I read this quote, and I want you to listen to this quote that Roger Staubach said, and maybe we can learn from this. Listen to what he said. Staubach said, I faced up to the issue of obedience. Once I learned to obey, there was harmony, fulfillment, and victory. 
That's why the Cowboys won so much back in those days. Because he obeyed the coach. He did what the head coach told him to do. Well, in our lives, look, what does God want us to do? Obey his word. And you know what happens when we obey the word of God? There's going to be harmony. There's going to be fulfillment. And there's going to be victory. But when we fight against it, we're not going to see that in our lives. And that's why Noah was a man greatly used of God. Because, look, the word of God, God's words brought direction in Noah's life. They gave guidance to him. Look at Psalm 119, verse 42. So shall I have wherewith to answer him that reproacheth me, for I trust in thy word. Now, why did I share that verse? Watch this. I don't know if you've ever been reproached by somebody for being a Christian, but can you imagine, and just from the little bit you can find in the Bible, Noah suffered great reproach in his day. People thought, that eh, crazy guy. Folks, they, there was no such thing as a flood. As a matter of fact, when you started talking about rain, they were like, what's rain? This was before the days of umbrellas. I mean, to build a big boat, and then that big boat somehow is going to float on what? You mean there's going to be enough water? That this big boat's going to be lifted up off the ground and float around? Yeah. Can you imagine how crazy that sounds to the natural person? But here he is. He's trusting in the Word of God. And so what does he do? He faithfully continued to obey and trust God. He just kept building. He just kept preaching. He just kept doing everything that God asked him to do. He chose to follow God, and he chose to obey God. Noah's will was bent towards obeying God. Here's the question. How's your will? Are you constantly obeying God or are you constantly as, remember what the Lord said to Saul, that it's hard for you to kick against the pricks. See, a lot of times that's what, when God speaks to us. You'll be here in the service in, in another you know, 30, 40 minutes and the word of God will be going out and if God speaks to you, are you going to respond? Or are you going to stay where you're at? If God's asking you to do something, are you going to do it? Or are you going to say no? So we can say all we want, but what a great example that we have in Noah that he did all that God asked him to do without asking any questions. Great example for us. And so I see the readiness of this journey, but then notice number three, what's the results of the journey? Well, when I look at this, you know, again, God's a holy God, right? And because of his holiness, God's holiness demands judgment. So what does God do? God, in his judgment, and I love this, because God is good all the time, God provides a way of escape. And we see this in this passage, because Noah was instructed by God to tell others about the coming judgment. And Noah began to plead with them, but as he began to witness and began to tell people about the coming judgment, they chose to ignore God's witness. And so God destroyed all the human life that was not safe in the ark. As you think about this, this, this human race, it, 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 you know, when I think about God could have destroyed everyone, including Noah, but he didn't. God saved one man and his family because he found grace in the eyes of the Lord. Now listen to this, Noah's decision, 
to obey God, to go ahead and build the ark, and to enter into it. That one decision that Noah made, it actually preserved mankind. And and then I think about this, if he would have refused to obey God, the story would have been quite different, wouldn't it? I mean, all of mankind would have been wiped from the face of the earth. You and I wouldn't even be here today. But because he chose to obey God, we're here. And we should follow his example. So he preserved some things. Notice letter A, we see the preservation of the people. God told him in, in Genesis 6, 14, to make an ark, ark of gopher wood, rooms that shall make in the ark, thou shalt pitch it within and without with pitch. Now again, they didn't have the substances. Or what's that uh, stuff they got now that you can cut a boat in half, put it back together, spray this junk on it, and go out in the boat? What's that called? Something seal or flex seal, you know? They didn't have that kind of stuff. They had pitch, you know, kind of slime type thing. And it was something that, that it, look, there was no Home Depot. He just went and mixed the stuff up. They used it and it, it sealed the boat. And God says, I want you to pitch it within and without with pitch. Genesis 7, 1, the Lord said unto Noah, come thou and all thy house into the ark. Hey folks, you have to know, those were some faith steps walking onto that boat. He had no guarantee that thing was going to float. You ever got in an airplane and you're thinking, I don't know if this plane's going to make it, you know? My wife, she flew one time on one of those little Cessna planes on a business trip, and she said, man, that was the worst plane ride I've ever had in my life, you know? She said, I mean, I felt everything on that plane ride. And, and yet here he is taking these faith steps, and, and God says, I want you to come all your house into the ark for, for, for thee have I seen righteous before me in this generation. So only Noah, I mean, look, here's the man. He's telling everybody what's going to happen, and nobody's listening to him. But he gets his family, he obeys God, and they go into the ark, and they're safe in the ark. Look at Proverbs 3, great verses here for us to, to take to heart. Trust in the Lord with what? All thine heart. Lean not unto thine own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct thy paths. Hey, what a great example here, that if you want to be safe, then you need to just do what God asked you to do. Noah was not only safe in the ark, but he was secure in the ark. Look at Genesis seven sixteen. They that went in were, were, uh, were male and female of all flesh, and God commanded him, that, the, and the Lord shut him in. I love that verse there. Look, Noah couldn't even close the door. It was so big. He got in there and he's like, okay, what am I going to do now? And God says, don't worry about it, Noah. I'll shut the door. God took care of it. God shut him in. Hey, what a great example there of preservation. But not only do we see the preservation of the people, we see preservation of the faith. Look at verse number nine back in chapter number six. The Bible says, these are the generations of Noah Notice that he was a just man, perfect in his generations. So Noah's proclaiming God's truth to, of this coming judgment. And all the way over in the New Testament, look what Peter writes under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. He says, and spared not the old world, but he saved Noah, the eighth person, a preacher of what? Righteousness bringing in the flood upon the world of the ungodly. So God will preserve those 
who walk in his way. And by sparing Noah and his family, God, listen to this, just as much as Noah's decision preserved all of mankind, God's decision actually spared and preserved the faith for future generations. So look, look, folks, the faith that Noah had back then is still the same faith that we need today, to trust God. And so we see the preservation of people, we see the preservation of the faith. Notice letter C, the preservation of the gospel. I love this account of the flood, the diluvian period of time in the word of God. But listen, can I also tell you that as you think about this, it's a beautiful picture of salvation, of what God has done for us. And as Noah preached, he preached faith in the word of God. Look at Hebrews 11, that great chapter there. By faith, Noah, being warned of God of the things which, notice here, are not as yet seen, moved with fear, prepared an ark to the saving of his house, by the which he condemned the world, and he became the heir of the righteousness which is by faith. The ark is a beautiful picture of our salvation. Peter says, we which were sometimes disobedient, When once the long-suffering of God waited in the days of Noah while the ark was preparing, wherein few, that is, eight souls were saved by water. Look, do you see that verse that Peter just wrote there? That means that God was patient. He was long-suffering. All these people that wouldn't, like those 22 people in past Christian Mississippi that would not listen to the warning. Here's an entire civilization Everybody, except for Noah, chose not to believe the warning of God. But once that ark was complete, and once that Noah got the project done, a choice had to be made, and that choice was God's. Now, here's the beautiful thing is that if you ever have read and maybe seen a replica, there's a, there was only one door on the ark. And you think about that, that means there was only one way in. And it reminds me of salvation, that there's only one way to get to heaven. Jesus said, I am the way, truth, and the life. People say, that's too narrow. No, that's God's way. All roads don't lead to heaven. Only Jesus. Jesus said in John 10, 9, I am the door. By me, if any man enter in, he shall be saved and shall go in and out and find pasture. And I love the fact that because Noah did what God asked him to do, you know what God did for Noah? God remembered Noah. And look what it says here in Genesis 8.1. And God remembered Noah and every living thing and all the cattle that was with him in the ark. And God made a wind to pass over the earth and the waters assuaged or the waters began to go down. And so God saved him as he said he would. He brought him safely to the top of what is known as Mount Ararat. Now, this is the best picture that I could find of Ararat here. And, and uh, again, there's been some talk over the years archaeologically. They, they claim that they have found the ark and all these types of things. But listen, folks, can I tell you this morning that God remembered Noah. And if you're saved this morning, you're safe. You're secured just like Noah was in that ark. And if, if God got him safely back to ground... God's going to get you safely home too. And one day we will be with the Lord. Uh, I love Matthew 24. Look at these verses here. As the days of Noah were, 
so shall also the coming of the Son of Man be. For as in the days that were before the flood, they were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage until the day that Noah entered into the ark, and knew not until the flood came and took them all away, so shall the coming of the Son of Man be. But here's the best verse. Noah found what? Grace in the eyes of the Lord. Folks, look, people don't have to go through that. They didn't have to go through the flood. God wanted them to get on board, but they chose to disobey God. So when you think about this journey of the Christian life, God's not willing that any would perish. And so when you think about your life, I pray that you're saved this morning. But if you could think about somebody that's not saved, here's the beautiful picture of, of a journey is they're not safely on board. They're not secure. We who know Christ, we are. But they need to make sure they take care of that before God shuts the door. And if you go over in your Bible to the book of Revelation, that's exactly what you see. The Bible says that there was a door shut in heaven. And one day it's going to be too late. But there's still time. And I hope that you're witnessing and telling people, listen, it's not going to be easy. It wasn't easy for Noah. People called him the crazy preacher. If he'd be alive today, they'd have called him the lunatic Baptist, probably. But he was telling people what God wanted him to tell them, and that was that this world we live in is going to come under the judgment of God. They don't have to go through it. That's the best news. May God help us to be the right witness and to obey him. Lord, thank you again for this morning. Thank you for our time in the word of God and for the beginning of this journey. And today our journey took us to a mount called Mount Ararat, where that, that large vessel that you had Noah build came to rest. And as that door reopened and Noah and his family came off of it and civilization began to grow as it did after the fall, that up to this day, Lord, this world we live in has become more and more wicked, only evil continually. And God, if it, if it grieved you back then, it grieves you now. And Lord, I pray that you'd help us as we live in this world that is twisted and perverse, help us to live a life that is pleasing to you, but also to be telling others about First of all, how much you love them and you gave your son that they could have a home in heaven. And if they will not listen, to, to warn them of the judgment that is to come. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.